The great irony of life is this. We all want a life we love and more time with the ones we love, but our job, the very thing that's supposed to be the financial vehicle to provide that freedom is the very thing that chains us down. Do you think you have what it takes to rise above yourself? Are you ready to start transforming your dreams into reality? If so, I'm Cody Teal. Welcome to the Finding Freedom Podcast, a tribe of dreamers and doers, rebels and fighters that are here to prove to the world you can have your cake and eat it too. Hey y'all, welcome to the podcast. Super excited to be chatting with you. If you've noticed, we've upgraded a few things to the podcast. I'm currently going through this challenge or this marketing and business development training that's called the One Funnel Away Challenge and it's been very, very good. And part of that is they're just teaching me how to upgrade my current media brand, all that stuff. And so today I want to do one of the challenges and in the through the course, we're talking about these brands. These people have these personal brands, like Rachel Hollis or Tony Robbins or you know whoever. And it's I, I follow a lot of those people. You probably do too on YouTube or Instagram or whatever. And from a distance, it's like, man, they're so cool. I'm glad they're so raw and so genuine. And uh, then you get this challenge, like, okay, now it's your turn to do the same thing. And it's kind of like jumping off a cliff, like cliff diving. Down below, you're like, oh, that's not too high. And then you get up there, it's like, oh, shoot, that's a really, really high cliff. It's higher than I thought it was. I don't know if I want to jump. Being that raw, being that genuine with people, like being talking about personal things, you kind of worry, like, maybe someone's going to bully me or someone's going to say something that's going to hurt my feelings. But at the same time, these people are super successful. And if there's anything I've learned in the past few years, that as I follow super successful people, people that are more successful than me, magically I'm more successful than I was. And so in that vein, I want to bring talk about my backstory, my, my origin story, and hopefully that'll bring, I know it will bring value to others. I'm grateful for people that have shared their story of how they've gotten where they are. And yeah, we'll, we'll dive right in. And specifically in the, the context of this podcast, the thing I want to focus on is there's a lot of people out there that I see that struggle to make ends meet, or maybe they they have a goal or a dream or vision. They're not hitting it, or maybe they just gave up on it completely. Um, on the other half, I have the, I'm very blessed to see and, but also associate with a lot of people that have made it, that can have their cake and eat it too, that have struggles and, and setbacks but for the most part, they're really happy and they make great income and they're make emotionally, mentally, physically, they're, they're really on top of their game. Again, there's always things they can improve on, but they have their cake and they eat it too. And I, my goal is to say, I've been there where it's a struggle and where you have self-doubt. That's like probably the worst struggle is to have self-doubt. But I've had a lot of people that have helped me and a lot of experiences that have helped me overcome that. And again, I'm still on that journey. We're all in it together, but that's the thing is, is that we're open and honest. That's what helps. Not just this like fake social media, I'm awesome, perfect, right? It's the raw, genuine people that, that help us and, and really pay it for. All right, now we, we're really going to get started. Uh, like, so like a lot of good stories, well, actually like a lot of millennials, 
journey started in college. I know nowadays we kind of, there's a little stronger, hey, college, because of all this, the student loan crisis, right? There's this doubt of whether college is a good return on investment. When I was growing up, college was like the thing. You know, this was like pre-recession and uh, pre all these student loan crisis. And so it was very much indoctrinated to go to college. So I, I got a four-year degree from a great university, very grateful for my experiences there, BYU. And the problem was, <laughs> here's where the self-doubt came in, is I really wanted to do one degree because that's where I thought my talents were, but I settled for an easier one because I went to a really good school and, well, actually BYU, there's more students that go from there to Ivy League grad schools than almost any other school in the United States. And so I was really scared and intimidated by the business school. And that's where I wanted to go. I think that I thought it would be really fun. But I was so doubtful of myself, I didn't even apply. And I settled for something that was fun and good. And again, great, great for the opportunity. But it wasn't probably what I was fit for. And that was, it was Korean studies, a very random degree. Korean studies, East Asia studies. And uh, that was in the middle of the recession, or in post-recession. And so I did what every other great millennial does, immature millennial, is instead of getting a job and trying to work it out, I got student loans and went to grad school. <laughs> and the, the worst part of it was I went to grad school in Hawaii, <laughs> which was really cool. That's actually a really good thing. But at the same time, it's, it's Hawaii. It's hard. It, well, I actually did study really hard. When my wife and I got married, went and did a year internship, and then went to grad school. So we're married students. And uh, I remember our first apartment. It was in a hotel but they rented out as apartments, kind of a weird thing. And uh, we had these two twin beds that we pushed together, but it's, I think it was like 210 square feet. It was, uh, it was tiny. But we were in Hawaii, you know, only been married a year, going to school, loving it. And we get, get through two years of school, and then reality starts to hit in. Because here in like March, April, I start applying for jobs. And... My degree is in something very, very specific that I thought was really cool at the time, but there's not really a market for North Korean studies outside of like government work. And government work takes a while to get a job because it's a long background check. So I was waiting for background checks to clear, looking around for jobs. I wanted to do teaching. And I thought, okay, I could do a teaching job. And I started applying to local colleges for like grad student assistants and local high schools. I even applied to Teach for America and it's like rejection after rejection, rejections. Okay, maybe, maybe teaching is not my thing. Maybe I could just, my wife has a year of school left. I need to work for her, work her through school. I'll just take a basic administrative job, right? So teachers probably made 30 to 40,000. Um, and in Hawaii, that's like jack, that's nothing. That's so jack squat. That's nothing. Um, but I couldn't get those jobs. So I thought, well, I'll just take a huge pay cut and do an administrative job. So I started applying for all these education administrative jobs that were like a lot less money. And, uh, even so your work full time was like 28,000, 26,000 was the highest paying job I applied for and nothing. And now I'm like, shoot, I got this master's degree. I think I'm smart. I think I'm capable. I think I can do good things, but no one is accepting that I can do that. And so that self-doubt starts to creep in. Like, oh, shoot. Every, I think I'm good, but everybody else says I'm not. The market says I'm not. If you ever felt that, like, let me know. Because 
hopefully I wasn't the only one. And I started applying to, now Hawaii's a huge tourist center. There's a lot of Koreans that come to tours there. And I started applying to like Korean language, like tour jobs and like nothing. I could not get a job. And I really was like worried. Now I'm, I'm grateful for that time because it taught me to be desperate enough to try something totally crazy and new. And so I was looking around on what to do and I'm worried I can't provide for my family. And even just deeper than that, I'm gonna be a failure as a husband and a failure as a person. And I just make poor decisions. And then my brother and sister and a few of my friends had done door-to-door sales. And previously, I was in this education academic mindset, right? Like, we're really smart, whatever. Let's do our sales. That's just, you know, lowly job. They said, why don't you come give it a try? And now, part of me, they had that pride. But really, internally, what the bigger conflict was, was I suck at sales. I don't really suck. I hate sales. I hate asking people for money. Because I failed at it. It's not because I don't like it. It's because I've tried it before and I totally failed. Like we'd like do like little retail sales things or whatever. And like friends would always sell more and I would just tank. I was just awful and very introverted. Don't want to talk to people. And so I'm like really worried, but there's no other options. Like zero options. So it's like, okay, let's fly to Washington and do this door-to-door thing. So I fly there with all this self-doubt which is a horrible place to be as a salesman, right? Like if if you ever met a doubting salesman, they don't sell jack, they don't sell anything. And we get there and we get to this office, it's in Washington and Washington's beautiful, especially in the summer, these high, you know, tall trees, Mount Rainier, but I am just all nervous. Like we're gonna sell pest control. And I'm like, I know nothing about bugs, I hate bugs. And we go and the first day we say, well, what's, what's the training? And they literally just take us out and they say, this is a spider web. Those little bugs in there are hobo spiders. And I was like, I knew what a hobo spider was. I knew what a freaking like spider web was. And they said, just tell them we're going to spray and get rid of those things. Okay. Like that is great training guys. And so we go out on the doors and obviously I am just getting eaten alive, not by the bugs, but just by people. Like it is the worst thing. And that happens first day. But I'm like, I have no other choices. I just got to stick through the summer here. They, they paid for my flight. So I, you know, I don't want to pay them back for that flight if I quit early. They're paying for housing and I don't want all that housing. Like I don't have any money. So second day, same deal, nothing. Third day, it's going, it's just the same thing. And at this point, I'm just like freaking out. And uh, my, but like that day, the owner of the company decided to come. And for some reason, he's like, hey, there's this new guy, Cody. I'm going to see how he's doing. And he comes and he knocks on the first door. He's like, just watch. Just sit back and watch. And I sat back and watched. And holy moly, he crushed it. <laughs> I was like, it was like watching a magic show for the first time ever. And I thought, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And... He's, then he turns to me, the next house, he said, okay, and he just reviews. I did this, this, and this, you go do that. And I was just like, uh, no, I just watched you. He's like, no, you just got to do it. So I was okay. So I have no experience door to door. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just going to be like an actor. I'm going to do exactly what he does. And I got way farther into the sale. They didn't buy, they got closer. 
And the next one, closer. The next one, sold. Next one, sold. I sold three accounts that day. And it was like, holy moly. That was all? Like, this guy comes in, teaches these secrets. And then I magically selling people pest control door to door. And I went that whole season. I only missed one day that I didn't get a sale, which for a rookie is pretty good. And most days it was like three or four sales. Anyway, that like, so a couple things there, I, I realized I can make money knocking doors <laughs> and I actually made over $20,000 in two and a half months, which was really cool. Um, but it's it like I started to build up confidence. That was the real cool thing was I built up confidence. So I thought, well, maybe my degree, I spent a lot of money on it, but maybe I should just try this sales thing. I still wanted to use my degree, but started the sales thing, went back and my wife was, so that was the plan, like go do sales. Or the plan was this, my wife had a year of school, come back to Hawaii, do some sales and at a pest control company there and then and just go from there. So I, we did that, she graduated school and things, things were going really good. We're living in Hawaii, well, they were going, all right, we're going in, we're living in Hawaii and I was making good money as a pest control manager. But if you've ever been to Hawaii, you know that it is paradise. You have tree, palm trees, warm beaches, and a bunch of homeless people. <laughs> it's so poor. Hawaii is so expensive. It drives people into the ground. And so even though I was making really good money, by any other standard in America, we were below the poverty line. It's nuts. And, but when my wife graduated, it's like, oh, she's got a job. We can actually live a little here. <laughs> not just work all day and not enjoy paradise. And like a month into her, like right into the job, we found out she's pregnant. We're like, oh, wow. Like life gets really, really, really real when all of a sudden you're expecting a child and you have another mouth to feed other than an adult. Like if you're married, you're like, yeah, you can take care of each other. All of a sudden there's this like innocent little thing that's going to come to your life and that baby is solely reliant on your ability to keep it alive. And my mind started spinning again, right? It was one of those moments like, shoot, what do I do? Like, do, do we stay here in Hawaii? Do we both work? Do we stay at home? You know, like, but like one thing we committed to is like my wife really wanted to be home and I wanted to be able to provide so she could do that because that's what we felt that we should do to raise our, our kids. And so I started looking around at other opportunities and uh, my the friend that had helped, one of, the, one of the people I had known at Pest Control and helped me out there was doing solar and he was doing better in solar than he was at Pest Control. And so I was asking him like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, well, I made $80,000. I was like, oh, $80,000, that's not bad. He's like, no, in three months. Whoa, 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 what? You're knocking doors doing solar, you're making $80,000 in three months? Wow, um, that's cool. So, like, how do I get started? <laughs> and so we, I told my my company there that I was really liked in Hawaii. That hey, we're moving back to mainland, having a baby, all this stuff. They were very, very good about it. And uh, we, it was crazy. So we'd always lived in furnished apartments in Hawaii, and we moved to Arizona, side to an apartment side unseen. And so I remember we had five boxes. And two checked on check bags each, so four suitcases, five boxes, and some carry-on items, and that's literally all we had. 
and we moved to Arizona in the middle of August. And August is, we moved from paradise to the complete opposite in Arizona. And uh, we were thinking, what the heck did we do? Uh, we land in Arizona, we get in this dirty basement apartment, and crawl, like walk down a few stairs, go in, it's really dark, and there's nothing in there. And we just have our suitcases. We're like, oh, we better go get a mattress. So we go down to the mattress store and buy, you know, it's a cheap old mattress. And we come home, we don't have enough, we, I spent all my savings to get to, get to back to the mainland so we could start this, this new venture. And uh, so we have hardly any money and not enough even to buy a table. So literally for the first like two months, I think maybe even three months, our table was a cardboard box in the middle of the apartment and we had a lawn chair. I don't know why we bought a lawn chair from Hawaii, but we brought a lawn chair. I remember going to work the first day and like looking out before I shut the door. And there's my wife. We have a little, little dog, a little white and black Pomeranian dog. My pregnant wife sitting in a lawn chair in the middle of the floor in a cardboard box as, and we're having a baby and I started to question myself again was this the right decision I don't know but I'm going to work so hard that it's just it has to work we burned our ships we have to do it and it was crazy hard um, it was super hard, but knocking doors, similar story, really hot rejection, rejection, rejection. And I called my manager. I was like, dude, I was successful doing pest control. Why isn't it working? And he drops a couple nuggets. Not, <laughs> I, I would say they're better than nuggets. I've made way more than I would have of gold from them. But, uh, and magically the doors start to open people start to buy solar and it was like it's the coolest things these people that knew what they're doing and I was willing to listen to them these little tricks these little secrets at door to door this one was just ignoring people on the doors it's just the weirdest trick is standing back and ignoring them knocking on the door walking away and they'll say hey how are you doing what can I do for you and then all of a sudden you're in but it worked out the crazy thing was, so we moved there, I started the job August 10th, and then between August 10th and December 31st, I, well, I stopped working, I didn't work in December because we had our baby, so I was able to take two months off, but between that time frame, because I, that's when I got my 1099, my tax statements back, and on my tax statements, I cleared $70,000 in those short months, five months, and it was like, awesome. <laughs> That was like, that was one of those, I feel like I've made it moments. Not made it, like I still have a lot to go, long way to go to hit my real goals. But I, at least I'm, one, able to provide for my family now. Two, like I can bring a child into this world and they can be taken care of. And my wife can stay home. Three, I am not a loser. <laughs> Right? I was so worried. There was all this self-doubt that I was not value. I had no valuable skills in the marketplace. Like no one valued me. And now I knew, I knew I was worth at least $100,000. Well, I'd made more than I think, 120, 110, 110 that year. Um, I was worth at least six figures. And I wasn't even 30 yet. And it was like, I knew it. Like 
sometimes we have we're, we're young and dumb we have these dreams and a lot of time well most of the time like i was saying with people they struggle and they give up on those dreams and they settle and i was committed to not settling and i'm grateful that for one time in my life and there's other been other since that that dream was fulfilled and it felt so satisfying and so that's like inside that confidence was the one of the biggest gifts that I had from that experience, even though it was really tough and I knocked a lot of doors in 80 degree heat and there was a lot of rejection. I became someone that I wouldn't have otherwise become and it, it was so worth it. So that's part one of my origin story. That, that was a huge development for me to go from <laughs> North Korean scholar doubting father to six-figure salesperson and uh, provider but the crazy thing is is that was just the beginning and I thought I'd gone through hard things but what was coming next was way harder and way tougher on me and my family but the rewards were double 